getting on phone interviews, crushing phone interviews, getting to the next step. And that moment of walking into an in-person interview, (laughs) sitting down for maybe two minutes, looking across the table and realizing, oh, (laughs) I may be the first person um, that this person has interacted with that has a disability and they don't know what to do with me. That was Nathan Todd talking about his experience in 2008 being rejected at a job interview and that happened over and over and over which led him to depression and loneliness and here we are in 2021 Nathan is a loneliness coach a motivational speaker he dedicates his time to a nonprofit in what he has is called story time where he reads to kids of all ages Nathan is an amazing human being. This has to be one of the most loving interviews I've had since I started podcasting. I love, love, love this conversation with Nathan, and I hope you do too. I'm Jason Johnson. This is On Your Space, and I'm going to let Nathan tell his story in his words. So thank you for pressing the play button. And I know this episode is over an hour long, but it's very impactful all the way to the end. You have to stay tuned and be connected. Here's Nathan. Yeah, so Nathan from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I go by the label of the loneliness coach and um, I'm a dude who was born eight weeks premature, four pounds, 10 ounces, diagnosed with cerebral palsy at the age of two, didn't learn to walk until I was four. And that is a huge part of uh, what's shaped me to be the man I am today and and what has kind of led me down this unique path of being on a mission to eradicate loneliness one conversation at a time. I love that, man. On a mission. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, you post a lot of stuff about, you know, peel back the label, um, no label defines me. I mean, I just, I love that. You know, we're all human beings. People, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, where we're from, uh, what we've been through. It, it doesn't really matter. Just everybody wants human connection. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be heard. We just want to be people. Yeah. Um <laughs> It's so funny. We uh, we often talk about 
wanting to be successful and and wanting to be all these things and <laughs> yet when we think about the most successful people um that we all recognize the one thing that they're they are aren't doing is being the same and you know when i talk about peeling back the labels a lot of it i believe is we get stuck in this idea of who we're supposed to be and that narrative is often shaped by society way before you and I and anybody listening ever got here. And yet it drives us to all want to be the same and not be different, search for acceptance. But when we think about the most successful people, um, they're being themselves. I often say there's not much difference in the the people that we often look up to from us. What they figured out is they figured out uh, what they're really, really good at, and they figured out how to go all in on that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, uh, I, I totally agree, man. Um, you know, I've moved around a lot. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force. Um, so we, we would live somewhere for three years and move or four years and move. And, you know, you talk about how society puts labels on you and in, in people live because of what's expected of them or, or have, have people have been labeled. And, it, and it's like, every time we moved, I was, you know, new or, or, you know, in your terms, lonely. You know, it was like, it was just my brother and I, so it was like, he was my best friend, you know, or is, you know, we, we, we were just had each other and, uh, showing up and it's like, people judge you and have expectations of, you know, if you're wearing something, then they automatically make assumptions or if you look a certain way and, and it's different, you know, for people that have never experienced that to be judged, you know, that just kind of they just grow up and they are who they are and, and, and they're, they're around their friends and they become who they're, they become the image of who their friends see them as not who they are inside. And sometimes it's sad and people should just let out that, that inner beast, you know, let out that, that human being who they are. And, uh, and it takes time and it takes, uh, you know, you, you said you're a coach. So who, who are, who do you, do you have um, specific clients or are you just kind of coaching the world, man? <laughs> um, yeah, I would say the people that I often end up working with are people who haven't peeled back that expected label yet and people who they've got a deep wanting to actually be able to use their voice and they haven't ever felt like 
they've been able to do that. Um, a lot of times I work with more women than men. And I also work with a lot of people who um, identify as having disabilities as well. Uh, but really, man, if you come to me and you're like, <laughs> I'm feeling disconnected, I'm feeling lonely. Um, and here's the thing. There's so many people who are experiencing that. And yet there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt around having that human emotion. Um, so it takes a lot of courage to actually come to somebody other than yourself and say, yeah, I think I am experiencing this feeling and I don't know what to do. I don't know um, what a plan of action is because it's also not just about, well, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm lonely, I'm going to go talk to Jason and by me talking to Jason, that one person, that it's all going to go away. It doesn't happen exactly like that. Um, and I think that loneliness, as much as it's impacting the world now, gets a bad rap, actually, because it's actually a human <laughs> survival signal. And it's telling you, hey, it's time to get connected with your tribe. Um, and it's just like being hungry and being thirsty. The problem is we've become really, really good at ignoring that signal when it comes up. And I think, you know, this is the first time I've ever thought about it in this way. I think that one of the things where social media kind of hurts us in this arena is those moments when we first get hit with the feeling. I think we take the ease of which we think we can connect with people for granted. We're like, oh yeah, I am feeling this way, but I'll take care of it. I'll reach out to so-and-so in, in a day or whatever. And it's so easy, easily accessible to go look at this list of all these friends and, and these followers and have a false sense of, well, I'm connected to all these people, but are you really in a way that matters to you? That would be my question to the audience. Yeah. I, I love that, man. Uh, you, you said, um, it's, it's, it's like a sense of survival, human survival, just like food and water. Cause it is, um, being connected is, is having a need for some form of love. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody needs a tribe, that, that human connection. 
it is part of survival because it, it it allows you to exchange your energy with someone and when energy is connected it becomes stronger and it's it fuels us and it allows us to go beyond ourselves people just we want to be heard and um you know i've i've you know i've felt that way most of my life you know, I just, just, I just want to be heard. And because, and it's not that I have uh, something special inside of me, because everybody has that. It's just like you said, it's, it's about courage and having the courage to take what's in our heads and verbalize that to have real meaningful connections, real meaningful conversations and you're right, social media can can give you a false sense of that. What what gave you the courage, Nathan, to start doing what you're doing? Because you're you're very inspiring, man. I just love that. I appreciate that. Um I think it started before I ever could actually recognize what was happening like I think this has been a journey throughout my life and so from a very very early age uh, my mom would take me anywhere that um, she was advocating for me she would take me and I would be a part of the process even if it meant just sitting there and being part of the meeting um, because I guess she she realized that hey this is about him he needs to be here to start to understand that this is about him um, and so I would go to all my IEP meetings regardless of how young I was. I went to um, elementary all the way through my educational career. Uh, but when it comes to loneliness, there's a, a very specific starting point that I have come to recognize. And so back in 2008 was when I graduated from college. And, you know, <laughs> In the U.S., uh, we were going through just like everything was falling through. Nobody was getting jobs. The economy was crap. And I just remember um, getting on phone interviews, crushing phone interviews, getting to the next step and that moment of walking into an in-person interview, <laughs> sitting down for maybe two minutes, looking across the table and realizing, oh, <laughs> I may be the first person um, that this person has interacted with that has a disability and they don't know what to do with me they see 
It is a very obvious difference. And in their mind, because I've, I've now been a manager <laughs> before, they're thinking, how much money is this going to cost? What kind of accommodations is this person going to need? And what am I going to do with them? Like, that's the conversation that's happening. And so when that's the conversation that's internally happening, that is projected outward. And there's just an energy where it's like, oh, <laughs> this isn't, I don't think it matters what I'm going to say here. This isn't going to go well. And so for over a year, this was the process. I went on so many interviews and it was like all the stuff that your, my parents had taught me to believe in. It was like, it's like, oh, this is the real, this is the real stuff. This is the real experience. And so I spent over a year just sitting on the couch. Uh, probably if I would have went in to therapy, I would have been diagnosed really uh, with depression at that point. Uh, so it was one of the most lonely times in my life because here's here's what I think a lot of people don't understand too. So I've got cerebral palsy. It's a, first off, most people don't even <laughs> realize it's a brain injury. Like that's truly what it is. So I'm a person with a brain injury. And I think what people don't realize is oftentimes you're going to be the only person in your immediate group that has this experience. And as much as your friends, your family, they try and understand, there are gonna be things that they're not going to understand. And there are gonna be things that I don't know how to communicate because it's like, it's just a feeling and unless you have this, you're, you're not going to get it. Um, and so it's really hard to always be able to support somebody who's going through something where you don't actually have experience. You can try as much as you can, but it's, you're not going to understand. Uh, and there, so there's lots of people where that's going on. And their thing is, well, why don't you just get a job? Uh, you should be happy for any job. And um, that's, that's not, nobody, like, what makes us different than you? Is that what you wanted to be told when you were trying to get a job? But I... I spent the year on the couch and I run people um, that I work with through an exercise where 
we kind of get out of your head when it comes to loneliness. And let's see, I think I might actually have it. So at least you can, you can see, uh, Jason, you can see the picture. Um, it might be hard to see because of the light here. But I run people through this set of questions and we actually create a, a visual image of what your loneliness looks like. And so for me, what it looked like is me kind of fading into that couch. Um, that's my, that's when I know that I'm experiencing loneliness. When I start to get that feeling again, I'm like, oh, I better go do some of my own practices. Wow. Um, you know, Nathan, I'm going to tell you that I, I didn't know that our conversation was going to go here, but I'm so glad that it did. Um, you know, I, I work, you know, I, I do a podcast. Um, I, I'm a leader in my organization. I work for a large company uh, that's worldwide. Um, my day job, right? Um, and uh, I'm on a committee uh, that uh, we've, in fact, we, we were, we started a program to hire those with disabilities. And we thought, well, you know, you talk about labels. And so we immediately, we didn't want to call it disabilities. We just felt like, you know what, that's, that's not right. Because, you know, when you talk about it's, it's people that are differently abled, not disabled. Because we're and we're and when it comes down to it, we're all differently abled. Even when you talk about quote unquote normal, like he's normal, he's not normal. Well, what the hell is normal? <laughs> you know, and so everyone is differently abled. We all have different skill sets. We all think differently. It doesn't matter if if I have a label that was that. Uh, talks about a, a medical condition or a, a birth condition or anything that's happened to me, we're all differently abled. And so we started this campaign uh, before 2020 and I was on the uh, diversity inclusion team uh, for our, our country, um, for our, our company with Nationwide. And so I would meet with different leaders uh, around uh, our organization and, and figuring out how we can partner with uh, other organizations to bring people into our company that just want to be human. They just want to work. They just want to be productive and be part of something. And, you know, what we found, Nathan, was that I can hire somebody that is quote unquote normal and that person uh, may or may not give it their all when they're at work. They may take a, an extended, you know, smoke break uh, multiple times a day with very little productivity. They may call in because they don't feel like coming to work today. And what we found was with those that are differently abled uh, generally want to be there that they you know they wanted to show up 
They wanted to be productive. They wanted to be part of something. And so it was like, we got more energy from somebody that maybe didn't have a chance somewhere else. Like you're talking about going in for an interview and sitting across the table from somebody and thinking, okay, this is the first, I can tell this is the first time this person's had this experience with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I'm not going to get this job. Well, the people that I work with see you and say, we want this person on our team because this person has got the courage to be here and wants to be here. Now, you know, you said, uh, how much is this going to cost me and how much accommodations do I have to make? Um, you know, we, as, as employers, uh, we make accommodations for all people, you know, it doesn't like if, if I have somebody who's a mom and her, and she needs to, you know, go attend to a sick child or uh, something comes up, she has a doctor's appointment, we accommodate them and, and allow them to go to their doctor's appointment, come back to the office. We, you know, that's, there's a cost, but, but we have that person because they are a contributor and they bring a piece of them to our, the organization, the team, and everybody has a different dynamic. And something we also found was those that are differently abled, when they would show up to work, their love and energy that that came from them really shifted the dynamic of everybody else in the room in a positive way. And it, it's just, it's amazing and, and beautiful. And I'm I'm so glad that you have the courage and, and you know, Nathan, I, I think that, you know, we, I, I was in a, a group chat. Uh, Ryan Hartley has a, has, a, has his, uh, we are all uh, always better than yesterday. And, and I saw you and we, and I heard you and then I, you know, seeked you out on uh, Instagram and we connected and I'm looking at your posts and I'm like, man, I, I got to have a conversation with Nathan and get him on my show because you're genuine. And, you know, my show's called On Your Space. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I mean, that describes you, right? Own your space. Be comfortable with who you are and just be, be human. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that that often describes me more, more often than not. And I actually, I love where this conversation has ended up too. And I actually want to um offer up a little bit of a different perspective here because i i think that it's important and it is about about labels so i just want to ask you um some questions and get get your response because i think it's going to be interesting and is going to help in in what you're doing um with your company so when you hear the word disability, does, do you relate that to being good or being bad? I, you know, I don't ever think me personally, I don't, I don't have a positive or negative image when I hear disability. Okay. 
And, and I say that for the reason of one of the things that I often say is say the word. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Disability. D disability. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, dis is the opposite of, or the negative of ability. But I think that often people use it and they see it as a bad term. So that's why we, we shy away from using the word and we find other ways to identify the word. But here's why I think it's important to use the word. And it's so like, it's so fitting that we're having this conversation today because it's the last day of the month and this month is considered disability pride month. So having pride in being a disabled individual. But when, when we teach, and, and I'm gonna say specifically kids, when we teach kids that it's not okay to use the word disability as something that helps be a part of their identity, what happens is they walk around and they say, well, I'm not disabled, okay? That becomes their story, which that's okay. But by accepting that as your story, you also have such a greater opportunity to miss out on things that are available to you because you aren't comfortable saying, I'm a person who has a disability. When, when people teach people to not use that as part of their identity it's because i mean ultimately what that person i would think most times is trying to do is keep their family member safe keep themselves sometimes from feeling discomfort because there's often a discomfort that comes from saying the word um but i i think that by not using it, we're doing a disservice to kids as they grow up and try and navigate the world. And one of the hardest things is it's really hard to see disabled leaders in the world that they can say, hey, there's somebody like me this is doing something that I want to do. Um, I have a shirt that says, uh, it's, it's not about being the Walmart greeter or the motivational speaker. And I think that a lot of times that's the lane in which kids with disabilities, there are only two options. They're really, really medial, uh, jobs like and and there's nothing wrong with these jobs it's just the reality of I'm going to go be a Walmart greeter or I'm going to go work at a grocery store or something like that or I've been told so many times 
I'm an inspiration that I'm going to go be a speaker. And yet most people have no clue how much fucking hard work that is. You don't just show up and get asked to speak and make lots of money like regardless of what your story is and i think oftentimes they miss out on there's so much in between and that's it's not their fault it's the view that they have from what society has told them is possible wow thank you nathan yeah, I uh, I would love to continue this this conversation uh, beyond our time this morning with you, because I think that you know I I've got uh, my my step cousin's son has Downs, and um, and he and he told me one day he said uh, he said yeah he he thinks and feels like you and I, he just can't communicate like you and I. Yeah. And it was so powerful because when people have difficulty communicating, then the other person has difficulty understanding. And getting the world to understand is knowledge, which breaks down barriers. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, you said, you know, how does the word disability make me feel? Was it uh, good or not good or positive or negative, or uh, at least that's what I had in my head, but, and I'll tell you, I, I if I had, you know, I'm going to lean towards the positive side because when I'm around people with disabilities, I feel their energy versus trying to understand what they're saying. And, and I know everybody's different and, uh, and I don't know if it's the empathy or uh, just who I am intuitiveness, but when I, when I, I, it's like that energy is love. I've always believed that, that that is the power of our existence. That's, you know, you showed me that image of, of you, uh, your notes on the couch and shrinking. And I would love to, to be able to look at that a little deeper. I mean, if, if you wanted to, uh, have you posted, you've posted that, right? I think I've seen that. Yeah. Before. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to find that and read it a little bit closer. Cause I would, I would love to have a copy of that and see it. And well, um, so here's the thing. Let's, let's stop right here and let's, uh, close your eyes for a second okay right take in i know we're on audio so take in some breaths for yourself and as you think about this i want you to think about your experience with loneliness right and as you dive into this feeling for yourself and don't say anything, I don't think, until unless you feel called to. But first, I want you to think about when you experience loneliness, 
what are the things that you hear? So they could be words, they could be sounds like from the environment. Uh, they could be things that you're saying, things that you're hearing other people say. So what is it that you hear? Now that you know what this is, when you experience loneliness, what is it that you see? Do you see other people around you? Do you see no one around you? Are you in a specific place? And remember that whatever comes up is what's supposed to come up. There is no right way. There is no wrong way to do this. This is your way is the right way. <clears throat> now, I want you to think about when you experience loneliness, I want you to think about you're getting this box of crayons off the shelf. You open it up and you get ready to pull a crayon. When you pull this crayon, the label of the crayon says lonely. What color do you see? Now we know what you hear, we know what you see. We know what color represents your loneliness. Now I want you to imagine this loneliness, this feeling that you feel, it's an inanimate object and you see it clearly. What is that inanimate object? When you experience this feeling of loneliness, are there other feelings that are associated with it? And then two more questions. As you experience loneliness, what are things that you're saying to yourself? This is your conversation that you're having with you during this experience. And then finally, now that we know what you see, we know what you hear, we know what color it is, and we know what it, uh, the inanimate object is and what you're saying to yourself, I want you to come up with a name for this loneliness. It could be Lonely Larry, it could be the Lone Wolf, but I want you to come up with a name. And then when you are ready, you can open up your eyes and we can talk about what you experience. Wow. Um, so I felt empty. I felt the absence of love, absence of human connection. Uh, the color was black. Everything was dark. Um, you know, I, I, I have an image of a, a chair that I, that I drew um, many years ago. And the chair 
because uh, I've, I've done some artwork in the past. And, and so I, I drew this chair once. I, I, I wasn't intentional. It just had this image and I drew this chair. And so when you're talking to me, I, I pictured that image that I drew. And it's a chair that had these collars around the, around the legs and it like screwed into the floor. Like the chair's not going to move. Mm. And the chair was in a corner and it had cobwebs all over it. And so I was picturing that chair because it was a time in my life that I felt empty and alone. And, um, wow. And it, it just uh, silence is what I heard. It was just silent, which isn't a very good feeling. All right. So, I say let's, because uh, I know, first off, that took courage to actually do that with me live here for this conversation. So I also want to, let's let's finish the whole thing because, so now you have an actual representation. And so why, why take the drawing of this? Like, so if you had a sheet of paper, you can answer and create your own version of this based on what you answered but why have this actual visual representation is because that's not the only thing that we do now i want you to clear that so just take in a couple deep breaths clear that up and now i want you to close your eyes and we're, we're going to do this again but we're focusing on something completely different okay so jason right now what I want you to imagine is you are experience, uh, experiencing a level of deep connection. You are completely connected. That's to yourself and to those around you. And I want to ask you, when you have this deep sense of connection, what do you hear? What are the conversations going on around you? What are the sounds from the environment? What is it that you hear? Now that we know what you hear, when you have this feeling of connection, what do you see? Are you with others? Are you by yourself? Are you at a specific location? What is it that you see? Now we're back to a new box of crayons. And this time we pull out a new crayon and this crayon says connection. What color is that crayon? Now we know what you hear, we know what you see, we know what color the crayon is. Now, we're thinking of connection and we're imagining an inanimate object. What is that inanimate object that represents connection? <clears throat> what are you feeling when you experience this level of deep connection? Are there other feelings associated? 
with feeling connected? What are you saying to yourself? What is your inner voice saying? And finally, what name do you want to give this? This new found representation for your connection. What is the name? I had people say, my angel. I've had people say, my warm Christmas sweater. What is that for you? And when you're ready, you can open up your eyes. So Nathan, uh, yeah, I never gave you the name of the other, and it was the empty chair. Um, and so through the exercise that we just, the, the second half, um, yellow, just a glowing bright yellow of, uh, I think, warmth, light. Um, and I envisioned many chairs in a circle facing each other. And I envisioned people in that circle. So there were no corners. Everybody could see everybody. There was a lot of smiles. There was a lot of uh, laughing and conversation and the energy level in that circle was amazing. And the love chair versus the empty chair. You know, I never knew when I first like started thinking of this idea as a, an exercise, I never knew what it was going to create, but you know, it's interesting. I've started doing this with enough people and I trust me, I don't know what this means. Um, I, I love science, but I, this is way deeper science than what I'm currently capable of <laughs> understanding. <laughs> but, but a chair, a chair is a common, common object that comes up for people when they're talking about their experience of loneliness. So it's really, really interesting that that, that seems to be an image that our brain goes to. Um, so if there are any like really deep scientists that listen to this episode, I would love to have a conversation <laughs> around <laughs> that and what that could potentially mean but that's shown up multiple times and I feel like it's starting to be enough where I'm like there's something to this yeah that's awesome I I'm not a, a psychiatrist uh, I'm not a scientist I do love science by the way I love uh, learning about science um, yeah, I've been uh, looking at and reading some stuff on heart math, um, how the energy from your heart and the neurons in your heart 
go far beyond those that come from your brain and uh interesting stuff man and the chair yeah you know and, and it was it was interesting because the chair was symbolic uh, on both sides of that exercise for me, but there were multiple chairs and one was in a corner locked down with cobwebs on it. And the other one was in a circle with people sitting in them, uh, having wonderful exchanges of loving conversation, energy, uh, smiles, um, yeah, look into that, man, the chair. And here's, here's the point. So now let's say you go and now that we've had this conversation, you actually sit down and you create those two separate images for yourself based on what came up for you. Now you have visual representations that you can actually ask yourself in times where you may feel like you're starting to feel lonely you you have a visual representation that says hey am i the empty chair right now and what would it take for me to move over here to the love chair yeah and then if i'm with you let's say i'm with you i now know that you've done this exercise and now you've got all your listeners. They know that you've done this exercise. So they could be like, Hey, uh, Jason, um, I think you may be sitting in that empty chair <laughs> right now. And yeah. so that's a way where we can communicate where not everybody's going to know what the heck that means but yeah. you do. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool stuff. So, uh, recently you, uh, read a book to some kids just this past this week, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, was it the, the big umbrella, the big umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. That, how was that experience, man? You know, it's, it's so funny, man. I do have these like ideas that I want to be this huge, well-known person <laughs> in the world. I want to be speaking on big stages, but you know what? Ultimately, that's one of my favorite parts of anything that I do. And it's not related to any of my loneliness work. It's a great nonprofit that I have the opportunity to, to be a part of. And I don't know, there's, there's something about, and I think I'm, I'm just somebody who is naturally drawn to the energy that is created by young kids like I've always always like enjoyed spending time with people that are younger than me and I say that because I'd be doing that with my little cousins when I may have been a teenager and, and they're little kids and 
um, it just, <laughs> I think if, if I could be anything outside of what I'm doing, man, life goals would be stay at home, dad, no joke. Like I, that would, I'd be happy just doing that, man. Um, so being able to do these story times, I love it because it involves uh, making a difference for the kids. It involves creativity. And I, I've approached it as how do I create my own version of Mr. Rogers and Reading Rainbow. Like that's when they said, hey, Nathan, we, we want you to start doing these. That's where my mind automatically went to. It's awesome. Uh, kids are amazing and they don't put labels on things. They just are. Whether they're uh, eating a sandwich or picking their nose or uh, yeah. hugging on their neighbor, you know, they're squirmy, they can't sit still, or they're just so in, involved and drawn into your story, the book that you're reading, and their imaginations just run. There's no limits. Kids have no limits. Yeah. And so we're getting close to where it's getting closer and closer to where I've been doing this for about a year. And, you know, it's interesting. So I've done all of this where I haven't seen <laughs> a single kid, actually. So I'm reading to them, uh, but reading to myself every time that I do this. And so it's always like the question of, huh, I wonder who's watching. I wonder how this is making a difference. I know that it is. It's making a difference for me, regardless of who tells me. But it's always interesting to, to get those messages that, um, that people are watching. And my, my cousin for this week, <laughs> they got up at eight in the morning to watch a story time I do it in like midday and she's like yeah we got up to watch the story time and um it's it's just fun man and and the thing there is like with the work that I do over there for the nonprofit, it's all about inclusion and working with the families of children who have disabilities because um we work birth to five and you know one of the hardest things <laughs> I didn't even know this existed until I started doing this work but kids get expelled from preschool <laughs> for for behavior and oftentimes um, kids with disabilities are a high percentage of that number and it's exactly what we talked about earlier it's because there's a communication gap there and it's they just are having their experience and maybe they're overwhelmed by the environment and they're having a reaction and then they get labeled as the bad kid 
and really they're just trying to understand how to navigate their environment and if you know that you can start to um, have a great impact because you can put tools in place to help soothe whatever's going on and one of the greatest stories I used to do a lot of work with older individuals with disabilities and because uh, I worked for a center for independent living and we would go into uh, what's called a day program where kids from 18 to like I, I think at one point <clears throat> there may have been somebody that was 100 so that's like the age range of all these people and so they get dropped off because their family members have to go to work and they need somewhere to go because they're no longer <laughs> in the school system so um, they go to these programs and there was this guy who had autism um, and it was almost to the point of being nonverbal but he wasn't nonverbal he just communicated very rarely and one of the greatest things that ever happened, he was a big dude, um, six foot plus, wow. 200 something pounds plus. And so that created a lot of fear for some people. And, you know, we got a snake, a weighted snake and gave it to that guy and then taught him how to use it. And what did that do? There's something about weighted stuff that helps soothe when somebody's overstimulated. And all we would have to do is say, hey, go get your snake. Can you show me your snake? He would get it, he would put it on, and then he would immediately calm down. Uh, but it took, as my shirt here says, it took patience to actually be like, okay, what's actually going on here? I, I know that you're trying to communicate with me, but you have to do it in something other than your words. So how do we figure out what that is? And that's for, for everybody going back to your conversation about your family member, like there is a way that they communicate that is uniquely theirs and it requires patience to try and figure out what that is. Are we able to do that every time? No, no, because we're human. And, but the more often you actually try the more often that people recognize that you care if you're trying and Hey, if you both get frustrated, I think that's awesome because guess what? That to me shows that you're both human. Um, and you're both <laughs> frustrated about the same situation. Um, and dude, one of the greatest things, and you said it earlier, I want to reiterate, if you want to learn how to interact as a human being 
without judgments and preconceived notions, go hang out with a bunch of people who have intellectual disabilities. You will learn, if you are open to it, you will learn more than you ever knew possible just by watching them interact. I watched somebody fall and hurt themselves. And I watched people that you would say couldn't communicate, communicate about what was going on. They were communicating with each other and they weren't using words. And I watched it happen. So if you think that somebody doesn't understand, you are sorely mistaken and you better watch out what you say because people often know more than what you're giving them credit for. I love that. I love that. That, you know, and you, you know, you mentioned uh, folk communicating and, and navigating the moment. Um, I have a, a poem. It's one of my favorite poems. Uh, the past is history. The future is a mystery. This moment is a gift. And that's why we call it the present. And it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, it matters. So don't, but it doesn't matter where we've been or where we're going. Everything matters about right now and what we're doing and engaging and, and, and communicating, you know, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's, there's, you know, and I, and I love that too. I mean, you should, uh, or, or myself, I mean, put a project together uh, as an exercise to uh, have a team building event, but you can't, nobody can talk. And yeah. And watch that unfold. That's, that's, that's powerful stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I've actually got a training coming up uh, next month about ableism. And I learned this in another training where we actually give activities and it's all activities about um, how people process communication um, and to watch people try and communicate when they can't hear the words that you say is really, really interesting because it forces you to get really, really present if you want to be good at it. And if it actually matters to you, it forces you to get present. It forces you to pay attention. And it gives a little bit of empathy because there's so many people that have these things going on that they never talk about it for for any amount of reasons i think that a lot of time it comes from this internal internalized guilt and externalized shame that they think that they're broken because this thing doesn't work exactly the way that whoever's in their life how it works for them and so we've been taught that we're broken and nobody in the world I don't care what you've done 
I don't care if <laughs> you're addicted to drugs, addicted to anything. I don't care if you have a disability. Nobody is broken. Nobody is broken. You are whole and complete regardless of what's happening. Now, do you have circumstances in which you want to change? Okay, but that doesn't make you broken. And anybody who is pushing that narrative, don't don't get don't come near me because I don't I don't want to talk about that because that's just creating creating a whole lot of problems that don't need to exist in the world. I love that, man. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Nathan. Yeah. Um, how do people, uh, if people want to find Nathan Todd, where do we find you at? Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm pushing two places. Um, number one, Instagram, you'll find me over there all the time, posting all the time. Uh, and that's at the real Nathan Todd. And then also uh, started a new Facebook community called Connected AF. And uh, I try and create really meaningful posts over there. You know, it's, it's interesting with where we are in social media because I'm like, okay, what do I post here and how do I make it this unique to everything else um, and not just repost everything everywhere. Uh, but over there, you can find Connected AF and you just have to answer a, a few couple questions about connection and you're good to go. Um, and then I also started um, and you can only find this through being a part of my community, but connect um, conversations with the loneliness coach. So they're either conversations like this one that I would have with other people or just thoughts that I've been thinking where I'm having a conversation uh, from my perspective. And so it's like a private conversation. Uh, you can't find it on uh, like Apple or Spotify or anything like that. So those are places where you can find me at this moment. It's awesome. So one last question, Nathan, what does it mean to you? The phrase on your space? Oh man. Yeah. I love that title. So owning my space, you know, in this moment, I'm going to go with what's on on my shirt here. And so for those of you who are only seeing, uh, hearing this, my shirt, it looks like you have your uh, alerts set up on your phone. And I've got two words switched on and one word switched off. And so what it says is patient, diligent and quit so patient and diligent are turned on and quit is turned off and so to own my space i must be patient i must be patient with the process of what it is i think that i'm here to create 
what I must do to create it. I must be diligent with the process, so I must show it care. Um, and for me, a lot of times the process is people. So I got to show the people who have chosen to invest in me that I'm invested back into them and never quit. And so, you know, a lot of times people get that misconstrued um, that you just never quit on anything. I don't actually think that that's the case. But for me, when, <clears throat> when you're owning your space, it means that you don't quit on that thing that you feel like you've been called to do. Because the moment that I think you've, uh, like I have this theory that the moment you die is the moment that you've completed what you were here on this earth to do regardless of what it is, regardless if you figure it out. Um, I think for me, that's what I choose to believe in. Like that's when we, when we leave this place is because we, we finished what we were supposed to do. Um, and the other thing, man, and owning, owning my space, looks like something <laughs> when I think of the goals that I have I've got this idea that you know people say dream big I don't I don't actually subscribe to that anymore do I have big dreams yes do I think that that's the way to go <laughs> no so what I tell you is dream small Dream small, because as Jason said in, in that poem, the present is all that we got. All that we got right now is us having this conversation. And I think that too many people that aren't owning their space are caught up in thinking that I have this big thing that I want to do. I have this like it's so big. I've been taught to dream so big to uh, shoot for the moon, land in the stars type stuff. And what does that do? That paralyzes you from doing anything. And so I want you to imagine that what if I told you tomorrow you were going to die? Like what would become important then? Because the 2410 principle, focus on your 24 hours, forget about your 10 years. Because the 24 hours is all that you have. So build on that, have conversations around that. And so when you have this, this daily dream, play that daily dream out to 100%. Play, play it big. Play it as big as possible. And then you repeat that process over and over. Because nobody said you couldn't create something big by stitching all those daily dreams together and creating an amazing picture.
That's awesome. I'd love to, on your shirt there, how you've got uh, patient and diligent enabled and quit disabled. I'd love to add be present enabled. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I was deciding, man. I, I'm a guy that I love to um, wear shirts that start conversations and I've got another one that talks about risk, uh, be courageous, risk rejection, create connection and expect nothing and expectations is turned off. And I think that also is a part of owning your space. The more you're able to turn off the expectations, then there's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, And I actually think that (laughs) Nike does a disservice in in just doing it and the most free times that I think exist are when we're given permission by ourselves to try things and see what happens instead of saying I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it like let's try it let's let's see what happens and trying is a form of doing but it opens you up to possibilities you may not have even considered if somebody's like, you're going to do it and you're going to like it. And (laughs) so I love that, man. I'm so glad that we are having this conversation that you and I are communicating. We're connecting right now. And um, I want to thank you for your time, Nathan, and we'll, we'll stay connected. I think there's definitely more to come. Um, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you as well. All right, man. You have a good day. I... All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. What a powerful episode. What a impactful, moving conversation that was with Nathan. I'm going to leave all the contact information to connect with Nathan on Instagram Facebook. And if you want to watch this episode, there'll be a link for that too in the show notes. So thank you for tuning in. I really hope that you're as inspired about this conversation as I was. Nathan is just an incredible human being, but he also helps us realize how incredible we are. It just takes patience and being present in the moment. And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have a friend that might find it helpful, please forward it on. Also, please rate the show and leave me a review. I would really appreciate that. You can also subscribe to get future episodes. If you would like to share your story or just follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Own Your Space Podcast or on Instagram at JTJohnson360. You can also email me, Jason at own-yourspace.com. Thanks for tuning in. And as you go on your journey, own your space.